Guy, uh, big Thursday, obviously a lot going on in the sports world. We have a special guest. Stop. Well, you know, <laughs> we, we've threatened, and, and you, you know that laugh from anywhere, ladies and gentlemen. Friend, uh, the business of sports maven, social media presence, and, and the action network man, uh, Darren Ravel. Darren, great to have you with us today. Tim, Guy, good to be here on the podcast. Well, it's been, uh, uh, the folks at home may or may not know, we were all colleagues at one point when, when Darren was definitely uh, on the beat talking about the business of sports at CNBC before going on to uh, spend a lot of time at ESPN again, it, covering kind of every corner of uh, the business sports world. And, and, you know, frankly, all we've done in the last two to three weeks, in addition to just talking about the, the impact of sports as a barometer for the economy, um, I feel like we've been talking about sports betting and I feel like we've been talking about stuff that's, you know, smack in your wheelhouse. Um, so we're going to have some fun today. Uh, first of all, tell us, uh, tell us about what you're doing um, and, and tell us everything about the Action Network and uh, tracking our bets and, you know, how, how this is something that you think is tomorrow's trade, frankly. So I was in Punta Cana uh, on May, I think it was 18th of 2018, when the Supreme Court essentially reversed the Professional and Amateur Sports Protection Act of 1992, which kept obviously the states that had it uh, dormant Oregon, but really Nevada as, as states that had uh, gambling and then allowed states to make their own decisions whether they wanted sports gambling or not. And for me, I knew that was going to change me forever. First of all, because it was brought about by New Jersey. I knew New Jersey was gonna turn into Yep. You know, God bless them. Vegas East. The test and case. Yeah, for the exactly. East. And they would have the most open system, the easiest way to get licenses and, you know, make it make it really uh, turnkey as possible. I said to ESPN, listen, I got eight months left on my contract. If you've enjoyed what I've done for you for 12 or 13 years, let me out now. Um, because I had gone from writing 30 stories a year on gambling to 60 to 80. And yeah. I certainly thought that I could spend 100, 125. I could do solely a sports gambling. And, and I made that bet. And the Action Network is essentially the greatest in data, uh, the best in class. Um, well, just like you watch CNBC, you kind of uh, look at our app, look at our, it allows you to see in, your mo in the moment. You can track the odds. You can track your you track your wallet in the moment. <laughs> it's crazy. Yep. So we, we just offer the best in class. We offer the best in class data, like anything uh, that it's not, you're not just going to go with your gut in any business. And that includes betting. Well, Dero, it's interesting. You mentioned go with your gut. So I think I met you 14 years ago. I think it was sometime in 06. We met uh, on the set of fast money. You used to come on yep. the show all the time with Dylan Radigan and you were way ahead of the curve in terms of social media. I know that for a fact, when you were talking about Twitter, before I knew how to spell Twitter and your presence see, in on fact, Twitter. In fact, in fact, CNBC originally told me they did not want me to tweet. I remember because, that. Because, because they thought that it was giving away something um, and it wasn't kind of like additive to the process. Yep. It was cannibalistic. Yep. And I put yep. up a little bit of a fight. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I thought for me, it really wasn't about dissemination, by the way, Guy. It was about information. I mean, if I'm the guy writing the secondary story, which is the business of sports, I got to know what this, what's going on in sports first. And I was crushed. I was reading two or three hours of newspapers every morning, clicking the links. So it wasn't about me being a social media guy. It was just me doing anything to save time. Yeah. You were right there. In fact, again, 
we, we spent so much time, all of us that have been in, in the media over the last four or five years have also seen how the media has had to adjust and adapt uh, away from linear TV uh, into both social streaming, you name it. And, and frankly, where sports and interactive, whether it's, you know, whether it's gaming or whether it's sports betting or, or, or the confluence of all of these things, uh, you know, there's an argument, and you know this, between the investments that some of the big media networks have made, uh, both in fantasy and in DraftKings and, you know, maybe, you know, ultimately in your company. But this is where media and, and frankly, sports who have lost engagement have to be. So, uh, you know, the, the interreliance here, and, you know, you talk about Putacana. Um, the, the, the funny part about that is the feds, you know, there you are down there in, in Central America and the feds just did this big settlement with the five dimes group right. uh, on $50 million. Which, Again, which, which, is, which, is, which is interesting as a sidebar because you have an illegal sports book for so long. Right. Now all of a sudden wants to be legal. Right. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, that's not going to be easy. Knowing how as an executive of a sports gambling data company who is just has affiliate rights. We have the rights to make money by feeding uh, people to books. The fingerprinting and the swabbing and the is is beyond is beyond. So the fact that five dimes would be able to make this settlement, as you know, the Department of Justice will take anyone's money. Yeah. Uh, so and it's about money, right? I it's, mean, it's, about it's about it's about money. So they they're not just going to get some skin and show up, and it's it's not really that easy. And then the other other question is the qualification of the database, which is basically everything that you guys should be talking about. When you're talking about Caesars and William Hill, especially the Las Vegas groups talk about, oh, we have 1 million active gamblers or we have this. And the question becomes, how good is the database? How good is a five dimes database, right? Like are people betting there because they're trying to avoid taxes or because would they switch over? How good without a loyalty program that allows you to get great hotels or free hotels is MGM? How good is all those guys? Or is DraftKings and FanDuel, not only do they first to the marketplace and better in technology, but because 80% of the people who were in daily fantasy are automatically migrating to betting. And it's just now it, there's nothing dead oh, 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 for anyone who's been in daily fantasy. Is that a much more qualified database? And are they then the winners? Well, and William Hill, who, who basically is the largest bookmaker in the world. Um, and what Caesars paid as a premium just effectively for the U.S. assets, they, they just issued stock. It was an 18% dilution, but, uh, and they paid about a billion seven effectively, if you think about that stock and, and the cash. And they get a business, at least, of the U.S. assets that, that Caesars didn't own that are worth anywhere between 8 and $10 billion. I actually think it's a genius deal for, for Caesars. But, guys, guy, jump in here. I know, you know, I'd love, let's talk sports, too, here. No, listen, so, Darren, obviously, we live in the tri-state area. I mean, and I know you're a fan of, of all sports. But talk <laughs> to me about our football teams. We're just abysmal right now. I mean, is there a point in the season where – you know, in the NFL, at least, it's, it does not pay to be mediocre. You either got to suck or you either got to win the Super Bowl. I mean, are we at a place at 0-3 where you're better off just running out the string and losing all these games? Is that where we are in the NFL? I actually think the, 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 the greatest negative, and I don't think people talk about this enough with New York sports, is that there's really faceless owners. How can you be in New York and have faceless owners. You know, Dolan, Dolan doesn't have any accountability. He, he meets right. with the media once a year. 
who who are the 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 Maras? I mean, like, who are they? Who are you know? Who, the Woody Johnson leaves, and it's like, okay, I guess we'll get his brother. Or, you know, it's like it's like, who are you? You're not even talking. You're not even saying anything. And so, I think that becomes the major problem that sports fans want to actually look at someone, have someone to look up to, and and we got nothing. We got nothing. And, and Stevie Cohn, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I don't think he's going to be he, – he'll be the guy who will write the checks, but I certainly don't think he's going to be the guy that will be out there. Yeah, it, it's, that's, like, that's a great point. And you can see whether it's a Cuban as probably the, the greatest example of that. But, you know, the owners that are out front have certainly they've, – they've added a lot of value for their franchises, and ultimately the players have to come and, and want to play here. Uh, we, we, we've got to talk, though about your, your J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets against the Bronx on Thursday night. What, what's the parlay on two 0-3 teams? And um, I, I hate to do this, but is it, is it, are you looking for your next quarterback of the future? No, because Sam Darnold is the quarterback of the future. He just, All right. Okay. Hey, he, he, just, he, just doesn't, he just doesn't get any time. I mean, you need time. To be a good running back, you need the O-line. He needs, he needs time. I think he just can't do everything. And that's the problem. I mean, in football, even as a fan, it's very hard to understand, like, the grading of the whole system. It's not like you, you can make your own hay in basketball and baseball, but in football, you certainly cannot. And so before so we take a break here, Dan, just give, give us – what what's the call? How how, how are people betting this Thursday night uh, matchup? Well, the, 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 sharp, the, the, the sharp the Titans. The sharps, the pros are going with the Jets. They've bet them through plus three and a half all the way to minus one, and the public likes the Broncos. Right on. It's got to get better for either team. We'll come back in a second. Darren Ravel, Action Network. Subscribe to Tim and Guy Commercial Break on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Okay, we're back with Darren Ravel, friend, uh, business of sports, but the Action Network and, and really uh, tracking your bets, uh, the big data around betting and, and how that's really driving. And boy, so many comparisons for, for what we do in the markets, Darren. Um, yeah, by the way, I think, bet Tim, to interrupt you, I think betting is actually, a, while, while the stock market is a more efficient market in terms of money, right? There's no question about that. Oh, it's a deeper, it's deeper, and flow, right? It's much deeper. I do think that betting is more of a genuine market. And what I mean by that, and obviously I had the benefit of being up close at CNBC for six years, but, you know, uh, in betting, there's a win or a loss. Um, there's not in the market. Now, you know, that there's, you're, you're, you're betting, you're supposedly betting and you're betting up until an earnings call and an earnings call happens, you beat the number, but it doesn't beat the whisper number, but, you know, or, or this number means more than that number. And all of a sudden, an, an, one big analyst changes the game of what was important bef when you bet on something before thinking this was important and you don't have a win-loss. There's no clarity. Yeah, uh, it's, it's a great point. Um, and, and, you know, Again, the irony is we've been talking about a company like DraftKings, who so clearly um, is in the OSB online sports betting business. That's what they, they've led with. And they and Caesars are probably going toe to toe. We have no idea what these companies are worth. Can you speculate Correct. on that? Because, again, they're not um, they're not worth they're not worth what their market cap says they're worth. Right. I don't think they are. I mean, so the big question is, uh, I think when you're trying to figure out how much a company is worth is at what point is it going to be profitable? And what are their costs of doing business right now, right? Like uh, DraftKings has nights where they do promotions that are worth 
10 to $12 million in actual, this is not like, oh, we have a product and it's $10 million in retail costs. No, 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 no. This, these, these are, this is net losses, not loss losses. So, right. So how long does the loss leader go? And then the question becomes, is there true brand affinity? There's going to be a sports book coming out soon called Victory. And those guys are, 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 are aiming to, because they believe that their uh, software and their hardware, everything's more efficient. They're going to give you a lower VIG or no VIG. So essentially, the Robin they're going to Hood say, of betting? is that what we're doing here? What did you say? Is it the Robin Hood of betting? I mean, right. basically, exactly. you know, taking, exactly. taking away the cost. Yeah, exactly. Taking away the costs. And, and they're going to say, you know what? It's a little bit strange that every market in the world price is like number one or number two. And in betting, price hasn't been there. Now, the question is, do gamblers care about price? Or it's, it's a lot to say to someone, uh, I'm going to give you another app. The average gambler has 1.7 apps on their phone. So it's one or two. It's not <laughs> going to be three or four. In New Jersey, you have a choice of 25. And so, so I'm, just say, I'm just saying, do I leap because of price? Or do I really feel comfortable with DraftKings because they're my, also my daily fantasy provider? What is it? So I can't tell you how much it's worth unless, until I figure out the exact dynamics of how this is working. And I think we're still observing it. So Darren, I want to ask you a quick question. After you went over a million followers, I stopped counting. But you know, who do you think, I know you probably have an answer for this, but who are you most fascinated by when they, he or she started following you? When the person started following me? You know, for example, Darren, when the Iron Sheik started following me, I, I knew it was something extraordinary. I wasn't well, sure that's what. pretty good. Um, I mean, <laughs> early, early, really early on, I had Kobe, but we kind of had a relationship. Um, I do keep an eye on, like, the athletes that follow me, for sure. Um, I, I thought you were going to ask me, who am I most fascinated by? And the answer to that is, like, Rex Chapman. Like, yeah. I can't believe that the Re – like, the first time I was like, it's not that Rex Chapman. What? Yeah. It's the Charlotte Hornets yeah. Rex Chapman? Like, how did he become so good at scraping media, right? Because I am – I'm a media guy. Uh, and, and so I, I know that one of the keys to my Twitter following has kind of been like, I'm the conduit, send me some great stuff and I'll give you credit. And, and that goes a long way, but he, he learned. Oh, he's figured it out. But how yeah. do you think he's, does he have a team? Of, it seems to me like it's just him, Darren, because I've had conversations to, with him. Yeah. He, he'd have to have, uh, listen, I've put out every tweet and I have, you know, five or six people, you know, who, who are contributing to like, you should do this, you should do that. No, no one on a payroll. I do I actually do have a guy who I had previously paid in ticket tips. Uh, he was a ticket broker. And so because there's no SEC regulations, I would get five or six tips a year to him, which would be worth like 200, 300 grand. And he would be, he's a ticket broker and he'd act on it you know, which is a pretty cool thing. But obviously the ticket business is completely busted now. Yeah, now it, it's, it's amazing uh, how all of these, you know, call them buy, sell, open markets, uh, less liquid markets, some that have been considered taboo. Uh, the, the, the whole, uh, call it public perception approach in this country. And again, you talk about the reversing uh, or some of the criminal charges against five dimes. A lot of this reminds me also of, of cannabis and convictions for, you know, these are all, by the way, sins that, that are funding major budget holes uh, in, in state and city gov uh, 
budgets. But yep. um, let, diving back into sports and your view uh, as a media guy, yesterday was an extraordinary day for Major League Baseball, right? We had a March madness. We had eight baseball games. Uh, and we almost had players get injured because Rob uh, Manford needed, needed to get that, that Indians-Yankees game in under any circumstances. What, what do you think happened yesterday? Was that good? Was that bad? Um, should baseball be psyched? They're obviously uh, needing to, to, to get back a fan base that maybe needs a little spark plug. I never thought <laughs> that there would be an NBA finals game and there would be early playoff baseball that would beat the hell out of it. But that's exactly what happened yesterday. I mean, the NBA finals with teams in major markets, like hot markets like LA and Miami, they, the NBA, if it were head-to-head, -head, got smoked in mindshare yesterday, which is, like, mind-blowing because we had always said, like, oh, baseball's old and the NBA's yep. young. And the, Major League Baseball took over. There were some bets yesterday, and I, part of my job is to speak to all the bookmakers and get the big bets. There were some in-game bets in baseball yesterday, people throwing, you know, 30 to 80 grand in-game, which is a lot. Um, I just think there was just a lot of juice to it and, uh, baseball, it just worked out that way, but baseball owned the day yesterday. Baseball staying there for with the DH and are, they, are we doing March Madness in baseball next year? Uh, same way, maybe hopefully very different social circumstances, but you could still have this many teams in a wild card. You could, um, I listen, I could see that they've tried to experiment with things. I think as far as energy, the one thing you have to capture is energy and they, they, they captured it. And so, so to suggest that, oh, we're doing this because it's, we're in the situation now, you know, this might be lightning. They, they, they should certainly consider it. Darren, how close are we, if we ever get back to being in stadiums or arenas, to having iPads at your seat and being able to bet on Garrett Cole throwing a curveball or Aaron Rodgers throwing a 15-yard out? Right is that possible? So, so basically, uh, through what we've learned with what goes on in Europe, we have been obsessed with the, an actual machine to bet on. So people said, when are kiosks coming to stadiums? And the truth is that a kiosk is actually not profitable. And the reason is they're one-off bets and they don't get the data back from you. Who are you? Who's the person? So the first iteration we saw before sports books in stadiums, which will start really with Capital One in Washington, D.C., is, okay, I'm going to do a sponsorship with the Devils. I'm William Hill. You're going to walk into this area that's a pseudo-looking sports bar, sports book, and there's going to be a someone who comes over to you and make sure you download it on their, on your phone. So I would say, forget about the look about that. There's an iPad it's on your phone and they want you on the phone. They do not want you on another device. So they just have to make sure you'll download it. The interesting thing for me will be the people that are in person when sports books have, when, when teams have three sports books with official deals, I think what's going what's gonna to manifest itself is people are going to walk up to you and there's going to be a huge competition to get you to download their app. Well, it, the, the other thing that I'm hearing when you say all this, especially whether it's a kiosk or whether it's your own phone, but whether it's the deals that they, uh, the, the franchises have directly with the DraftKings of the world, um, when's, when's Pete Rose getting reinstated? What about Shoeless Joe? I, I mean, when I hear all this, and I realize, again, this is about an expungement dynamic that we can, again, go over to the cannabis world. Same kind of thing. But 
there's a lot of hypocrisy here. And, I, and I, I'm also one of these people that says you can't change history for what it was 20 years ago. Uh, and I realized at the time Pete was doing things that were wrong. Uh, but what's your view on this? This is a, an emotional issue uh, and one where sports betting can't be totally separated from history. I think what the difference between Rob Manfred and Bud Selig is, Bud Selig, I don't think he cared about the outside noise as much as Rob Manfred does. Yeah. I think public pressure could take care of Pete Rose in this era than it could could have done, you know, if it was 10 years ago, just because I don't think Bud Selig would have listened to it or necessarily cared. I think Rob Manfred cares about his reputation. And and so, yeah, like there's some people who are going to say, well, you can't, again, you can't, you can't go back. It, it wasn't legal in this country outside Nevada and the rules where you couldn't bet, but especially because, you know, there was no evidence that he was ever betting against the Reds. Right. Um, you know, it, it's, it, it, it's, it gets harder. It gets harder when you're doing tons and tons of deals. I mean, when Ohio, when Ohio gets it, when, when, when Ohio's legal and the Reds do a deal, that's going to be the day where it's just going to go. Poof. No, I agree with that, Darren. And you, you do this for a living, so you understand. And I didn't know we were going to go down the Pete Rose rabbit hole. I'm sort of on the way other side of this. <laughs> but just because he bet on the, you know, the, the nights that he didn't bet on the team are basically ta a tacit that. example, that, right? So you don't know what he's doing in the nights he does bet. He might be playing, you know, burning out a reliever one night, and he doesn't bet the right. next night. He's That's trying saying, harder. You know what? He's, yeah, so so I'm harder. not on the Pete Rose bandwagon at all, uh, quite frankly. I'm, I'm not a fan. And if he never gets in – that's fine with me. So, but that's how I come down. Well, so my back question to you is NFL. I mean, we're seeing the first, this first COVID thing, obviously with the Steelers and the Titans. I mean, wh where do you come down in this? Cause I've seen you on Twitter talking a lot about it. I mean, I can't tell if the NFL has done a great job or on the verge of something bad. I think it's a little here. bit, a little, a little bit of both, right? Like, so this is why people, you know, they, when this happened, they couldn't, wait to take me out and say, wait, you said that the NFL made the right bet. Well, they made the right bet by getting to the season, right? They started the season. Uh, I am shocked, to be honest with you, that the NFL is allowing teams, and obviously within the states that they exist in, teams to have fans in the stadium. Like, it yeah. should be like this. What? Like, why are they allowing teams to, to, to make the decision whether or not they want fans in there? That doesn't make sense. Like, uh, so that that's a little bit weird to me. Like if you go, you go maximum protection and you're a group of teams, but you're together. Uh, so I don't understand that one. Two, they're going to have to figure out, and I hope they're doing this now, they're probably going to have to create maybe three weeks where it's just open at the end of the season and hope that there's not a team that has to make up two games. That's the only way, because I think this will happen with another team as long as tests are what matters. And I think tests are what matters. So we're going to have to see, but they're going to have to create. It's not, we will not be having uh, the Super Bowl, you know, where people think that it's going to be right now. I'm telling you that. Well, it's, it's fascinating. And, and again, the NFL's had the most normal uh, of a season. And, and because unfortunately, we got to get out of here. We got to go do uh, fast money. But, <laughs> but let's talk about the World Series. But more importantly, so who, you know, you're a Jet fan. So people that live in what we call the tri-state area, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, understand that the sports allegiances tend to run uh, Jets, Mets, 
Islanders, maybe Nets, maybe not. Um, I'm, a Jet, I'm a Jets, Mets, Nets. boy. All right. So um, as a Mets fan, as am I, who happens to be a Giants fan and a Rangers fan. So we, you know, this is where we, we, we part ways. But, but as a Mets fan, how do you feel about the Yankees advancing uh, against Cleveland last night? Are you a Mets fan that hates the Yankees and they have to lose? Or do you root along New York sports lines? You know what? Says th- a lot about a person. Be careful. I think we have enough of our own problems. I, you know, I, I, I'm not. I don't. I don't think about what they have. I think about what I have, and we, we, we need focus. I mean, the best thing I think, you know, getting the Will Ponds out. I think Stevie Cohen at least was able to make the right deal. The last deal was absurd. The idea that you're going to buy a team and for five years the way on the side, especially this guy. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I don't care about the Yankees. I don't even care if the Yankees win. Like, I just want to be in the opera. I, if I'm playing against the Yankees, it was like the Subway Series of 2000, I, you know, like that matters. But like, I don't care if the Yankees win. Um, All right, did you catch that? that by the way, that, that might be the best answer I could have heard. Because great it basically answer. means he doesn't even care about you. Uh, right. And that's that, no, I, I Listen, you know, I, I'm a huge D-Row fan. Before we go, Darren, I got one question. Think about this before you answer okay. Is playing for the Mets the same as playing in New York, Darren Rovell? Uh, when it's good <laughs> and when it's bad. Like if it's middle of the road, Thank if you. it's middle Thank of the road, it's not. It's, you know, but when it's good and it's bad, I was trying to find my, my I know you guys got to go, but I was trying to find my, uh, my, my big ticket uh, that, I, that I got for my, uh, I'm going to find it in two seconds. Well, I'll tell you what. I, what, what I want you to do is uh, we, we just began uh, what I think you is that, a, a multi-pronged conversation. Look What's at up? that. Oh, <laughs> it, it, it is the most important game of my life. Game six of the World Series, 86, signed, the ticket signed by Bill Buckner and Mookie. Incredible. Incredible. One of the great games of all times. I don't care who you are if you're a baseball fan. Hey, Darren, we are all fans, uh, and thank you for coming on. You're, you're a friend. You're, you're a guy that's you know, got a huge voice in the sports and, and this, the business of sports world, and now really uh, the betting of sports, which we all know is big business. So the Action Network, Darren Ravel, uh, can we do this again? Yes. All right. Sounds all right. Thanks, thanks, D. Ravel. You're the man. Thank you.